Brandon. Hey, Alan. And welcome to another Dice Over Everything. Coming live to you. Wait, not live and not together. Uh, Pre-recorded and in quarantine. Exactly. So what have you been up to in quarantine? Uh, I've actually been playing, again, too many video games. But those are starting Uh to lose their edge, like usual. Um, So I actually... Uh, got a whole bunch of magnets recently. Uh, and this is part of a project to magnetize this whole this terrain that I got from a Kickstarter. I think it's Rampart Terrain. And it's like oh. a set of magnetizable walls so that you can make like a cathedral maze. So I got all my magnets, so I've been assembling that. It's been quite fun. I'll show it to you yeah. afterwards. Okay. Yeah, I also did a major order to a model building supply place for textured plastic card for another terrain project also like castle walls and stuff so we'll see how those projects turn out yeah I, it's interesting that uh, okay so our main game that we play is infinity which is like a sci-fi space game oh no sci-fi miniatures like combat game um and yet we're assembling medieval walls mostly to play i think medieval games right and so to me it's interesting um that when you think about miniature games in general uh they kind of seem to divide into these two different types of games these like science fiction games well that's not true but like the two main skirmish kind of games are like sci-fi skirmish games or like medieval games yeah, and there's not too many in between. There's not too many modern ones. There's a, there's the Batman yeah. and there's yeah. things like that, but they're they're not the dominant ones. Yeah, and I feel like the thing, the reason why people kind of, well, there's many reasons why, but part of the reason why that there's just these two is because they don't have a lot of overlap. Well, they they not that they don't have a lot of overlap. They have a ton of overlap, but they have a main differentiating factors is that in a melee in a melee game, this is. Uh, in a fantasy game or fantasy or medieval game it's the last like melee like fighting up close right close combat is the thing right it was the typical way of combat back then there were archers but like the bulk of the battle was like forces clash head on head yeah so then they're fighting with swords and axes and that kind of stuff whereas when you think about modern day and, and into the future, right? Um, mm-hmm. Then the fighting all becomes ranged combat, right? Guns and things like that, right? Yeah, once you've gone past our point in time, you're like, okay, clearly it's just going to go more towards the gun things. Well, and even now, yeah, even now at this point, if, you're, if all modern combat games uh, are gun-based, right? It's shooting-based. Yeah. Yeah, so... I guess our topic for today that we want to talk about is ranged versus melee in the games that we play and how that kind of affects the, the entirety of, um, you know, war gaming and how it, it even goes down to like the settings and the periods that we play in. Yeah. I was going to go back to what you were saying before that with things being set either in the far past, or the far future, it kind uh-huh. of gives the game designers a bit more freedom to come up with like, weird crazy things if it were set in the modern day you just wouldn't accept it because it's like oh it's set in a place far far away like okay fine they have magic or they have these inconceivable weapons 
and they're fighting in ways we don't accept right now, which lets them have reasons for doing like hand to hand combat in the future because they have. <laughs> they have dodging armor. Yeah. Sorry, you cut out a little bit. Oh, My okay. Internet's not as good here. Is that over time? No. The in the like far future, you can imagine like them having some special bullet dodging abilities, or their ah. armor just too good for the bullets, and now they they have these special hand to hand weapons. They're laser swords. Laser Ooh. exactly <laughs> slice through any armor. Mm-hmm. Of course, even though the laser Somehow. pistols are nowhere near as good, the laser pistol just keeps missing. Yeah, yeah, of course. The laser pistol it's too far away. The energy uh, dissipates. Mm-hmm. And somehow, if it's close, even though it's a laser, I guess they always say it just looks like a laser sword. It's actually super hot vented plasma. That's why mm-hmm. it works up close, but not far away. I think that's basically yes. how they explain it all the time. Actually, the real thing is we're not explaining it. It's just some of you guys are so anal, we had to come up with some stupid reason to fight with laser swords. Fine, right? It's not laser, it's plasma. Fine. Yes. Does that make you happy? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. There's definitely an idea of fantasy, right? You want to have it fantasy in those two things. But then there's the question of why is not like, um, I guess in historical battles, right? Uh, the, the uh, what do you call it? The, um, uh, like Victorian age and the revolutionary wars and things like that, those kind of periods are, um, I don't know. They don't seem as don't they don't seem quite as popular. But I'm, I wonder if maybe that's more has to do with you're right. Maybe a fantasy kind of thing. Yeah, it might have. To, yeah, it might or have to do future with fantasy it. or past fantasy. <laughs> it's not far enough away from us. Yeah. We can't. The yeah. abstractions but, don't work quite as well. But I would think like why like besides the setting, which obviously is a big deal, right? Like people love knights and people love spacemans, um, but the gameplay is just by the fact that in the past, like in medieval times, they had, uh, you know, close combat was such a big deal. And, and the fact that in the future, we know that guns are going to be the big deal. Uh, that's the kind of thing that, in my opinion, really ends up differentiating the two different types of games. Right? Yeah, I find yeah. Well, basically, like when, when you think about if you were to strip away all of the, um, all of the fluff and the story and the actual like how the miniatures look, what what it comes down to is close combat. Uh, what dominates the field, or is it ranged? What ranged combat? What what dominates the kind of thing, right? And and the tactics and everything, even how you interact with terrain is very different in both of those things, which makes it interesting to, to, to experience and kind of play out those two different settings as two very vastly different kind of uh, feels. Yeah, but you're basically expecting the more close combat in the fantasy setting. If you saw a highly like shooting based game in a fantasy setting, it would yeah. seem kind of weird to you, even though like it's entirely plausible that you just have archers versus uh-huh. more archers but it just it doesn't or, feel right archers You're and horse archers and like, mm-hmm. yeah yeah exactly like when we think about it i think part of the appeal i think of the medieval times and i think this might be even further than just for gaming is it's the last time where combat was 
where hand-to-hand uh, combat hand-to-hand combat was dominant right yeah as the further you get in the the further te- gun technology advances like like right after medieval times right it gets more and more and of course there's overlap right like but guns start dominating more and more and then everything is ranged combat right but there's something visceral there's something like almost I don't in know. our dna to have like <laughs> yeah fights. to be fighting yeah with your hands head to head even when you look at games that are shooting games when you think about video games right um there's something that they, they always try to throw in that melee weapon because yep. it just feels you know more exciting more visceral you get it, it, it energizes you more right mm-hmm. like do you want to kill a guy with with the the pistol or or whatever the assault rifle or do you want to kill them with like the, your chainsaw knife oh like yeah i guess chainsaw sorry i don't i haven't played video those type of video games in a while so i've, I've been mixing games <laughs> but, nice. but yeah yeah but that's the thing right like even when you're talking about guns up close guns have some sort of different feeling right fighting someone with an up close gun feels different than fighting someone with a a long range gun right Mm -hmm. when you hit someone with a a rifle versus or shooting someone with a rifle versus shooting something up close with a shotgun right just just feels different and it's got to feel like you know up close and personal right Mm -hmm. or hitting someone even further in the opposite way is a sniper rifle, which one part of the coolness or the excitement or the, the, of that feeling, right? When you think about it and, and, and the way that those weapons work is almost the impersonal nature of it. Do you know what yeah. I mean? It's like you're shooting a sniper rifle so far away that the person that's getting hit doesn't even know what's happening. And they have no way of reacting to it. No. And they have no way of retaliating. Kind, yeah, it's almost like... That's the kind of feeling. Whereas a shotgun is like, oh, right up close and personal. And you just like got in their face and dealt with that thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, in video games, we're not talking about like... Really having shotguns. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Gun control, definitely. No one should have shotguns or sniper rifles. Mm-hmm. Shotguns, maybe, but definitely not sniper rifles. No. Well, really? really? You're going to shoot like your deer with a sniper rifle? From two kilometers away (laughs) (laughs) is is 300 meters really too far for the deer 300 meters is like that's that's i guess you could just it was but like well yeah a kilometer away if you shot a deer a kilometer away by the time you got to the deer some other animal would have dragged the carcass off entirely possible yes i don't i have no idea what i'm talking about because i've never hunted before Mm -hmm. The biggest thing I've killed was like, I don't even think large, I've killed anything larger than a mouse. Large, I don't, large ants. Yeah, I don't even think I've killed a mouse before. Nope. Not in hand-to-hand combat. No, you probably haven't killed, killed a mouse in hand-to-hand before. combat. Mm. In hand-to-hand. Well, technically I threw it in a boiling pot of water because I was too much of a wussy. Mm. I don't know. That's that's one step removed. I feel like you used your trap card on it, just like the mouse. <laughs> it was just trap cards. Oh, so it's like a sniper rifle. That's what you're saying. It didn't even know what's uh, happening. Oh, it knew. <laughs> it just couldn't get mm-hmm. out of it. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I guess that's the kind of there's like there's definitely a different feeling. So how does that go back to like war games when you think about uh, close combat versus uh, ranged combat? 
that I guess it actually gives like an interesting design space that when you think about you said sci-fi the magic game, word. What? Sorry. People always, when, when people are talking about miniature games, I feel like design space is like, has been the, the last couple of years, the meme that everyone is using. And I hate that what? word. Okay. It's like overused so, in such a way. It's like, when I, like anything, you could say, oh, design space or whatever. It just somehow keeps in there. But go, go even on. Though unfor- even though, unfortunately, it is the word. And I don't read too many of those articles, so I haven't become sick of it yet. Okay, fair enough. Very fortunate that if you're thinking of the sci-fi settings, they still put the, the close combat rule in there because people are expecting it. Mm-hmm. Even though in reality in that setting, maybe no one would really use it all that much. Or maybe you want to like knife someone quietly or something. Yeah, I, I guess that's the entire thing. It's like in, in the futuristic or even modern day settings, right? The close combat is there, but it is uh, secondary to the ranged combat. Yeah. It Whereas, kind of just provides a mechanic for like tying up your enemy troops. Mm-hmm. Uh, it basically says that, oh, this guy is so close to you that you have to fight him and not just try and shoot that thing in the distance or else you'll get killed by the thing right in front of you. So some mechanic has to exist to say that you're locked in combat. Otherwise, it wouldn't feel realistic. Yes. Uh, I guess depending on the games. At least that that is generally how it works in Infinity. Mm -hmm. Um, In something like 40K, which people could argue it's like like fantasy, but... In space. In space. Um, The melee part is supposed to be an important part of the game and there's some yeah, factions that do all melee right yeah that's exactly what i was going to say with the design space word that it created the design space to allow different ways of playing the game with different factions to exist by creating close combat mm. but basically it makes it more like a fantasy game like you were saying i would say uh yeah to differentiate those two different yeah. things uh, yeah although when you think about it people have guns and everything like that unless you're trying to conserve your ammo well, why wouldn't you just use your gun? And the, the the other thing that doesn't necessarily make sense is uh, if you're in melee or someone's charging at you and you have a gun, your gun probably mm-hmm. works fine in, <laughs> until you're relatively close. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like when, when they talk about, like, I don't know, in a lot of games, like, uh, Warhammer or War Machine or something like that where there's guns and there's uh, weapons, right? Close combat weapons. Um, how close, like how tied up do you actually have to be before a knife is better than an assault rifle or whatever? Like you literally have to be ha- like literally hand to hand. With an arm's length. Yeah, if you arm's length yeah. ahead. If you'll grab you. Yeah, when you can trying- grab the gun and they're grabbing your knife, then... I guess a knife, since it's longer, it's more unwieldy because you can only stick them on the front, whereas a knife has is slashing all the way down. <laughs> I guess yeah, it would be better. You can't can't really grab a knife very well, whereas a gun's that's easier true. To grab. You can't grab a knife very well. Maybe maybe that's why. Mm-hmm. So the ultimate weapon is it's a knife on a gun. Yeah, it's yeah, a it's the gun blade. I think they have that in like video games and stuff, right? Where it's like a gun. Of course they would. Of course, exactly. Or it's like a giant blade on a gun, or or the gun is the blade. Something like that. Or maybe it just shoots knives. (laughs) Yeah. It's the shark. So bayonet. Oh, bayonet. 
That's what I said. Oh, sorry. I, I was too busy thinking about gun blades. Yes. Um, when you make it real, it's not as cool. <laughs> no, exactly. No, I, I was thinking about chain swords or, or like chain swords mounted whip. onto guns. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or maybe a whip that has a gun at the end. <laughs> that somehow, when you snap it, it shoots the gun. Who knows? I'm pretty sure I've seen a movie like that. I just forgot <laughs> the name. Sounds awesome. Okay, so. Um, so I guess the, how about how about the the opposite? We've talked a bit about like the fantasy settings, and you have you know the weapons, but to make it truly, I think, feel like futuristic combat, or at least even modern combat, you need to have to respect the ranged weapon, right? The ranged yeah, weapon like has to win out. It has to be has to be like decently accurate. Like if you have like crappy accuracy on most of the shooting weapons, that kind of feels more like a fantasy game. Whereas when you get into like uh-huh. futuristic games, you expect the guns to be pretty decently accurate. Mm-hmm. So I think that would be and one difference. Most of the death happens from shooting before you get up close, even if some guys are better. In which case, even the guys that are good are better, let's say, are supposed to dominate in close combat. Excuse me. They got to be able to mix it up in ranged enough that they don't just get shot off the table before. Yeah, because otherwise. Shit. Otherwise, they won't be playing the same game as all the other factions. And it'll make like. Then it's like literally a medieval faction fighting a a ranged faction, which is a bit weird. But that happens all the time in 40K, so uh, technically you can balance anything when it's, you know, with with game mechanics. Mm -hmm. It does feel, end up, at least to me, it does end up feeling weird. I always thought that in 40K, uh, Warhammer 40,000, uh, there are certain factions with no range weapons. Like um, the Nids have very few. I don't know. The Nids got more actually as time went on. Yeah. Um, I don't know. They always had devourers and stuff like that. The demons, because uh, literally the demons are literally a fantasy army from Warhammer Fantasy Battles, and they're like same models to a large same degree. Same models, yeah. same everything, and they just said, "Hey, use them, in, <laughs> use them in our science fiction setting." Mm-hmm. people do but then because they're they're from the medieval era they don't have guns no nope. right? so it's really weird kind of army to just throw them against other people other armies even like orcs have weird shooting but they're supposed to be to me i feel like if we're talking about 40k i feel like the orcs are the most orcs and, and tyranids sh- should be the the two factions that dominate the most in the league Right, that are supposed to be the melee kind of faction that you want from a space, from a melee focused faction where they have good shooting. Well, they don't have good shooting; they have mediocre shooting, but that allows them to stay in the game long enough for them when they hit, and they hit so hard in close combat they can turn it over. Yeah, and they have higher numbers, so they, like whoever's fighting them gets to feel like they are killing chunks of it off, mm-hmm. but they're supposed to arrive with something. Yeah, with the close combat blow. Yeah, mm-hmm. which again just makes the shooting more important. Yeah. Okay, and so when we think about it that way, then what is the when we think about the medieval version? Like we said, is kind of like the opposite. I don't think I don't know if we said that already, but like in the medieval games, you actually don't want zero close uh, range combat. 
I feel like range combat still needs to be in there a bit, right? With archers and things like that to keep things uh, a little bit more interesting. But again, it's almost the opposite where the domination is based on the combat, the close combat. That's where out, outflanking guys and, and so the biggest close damage gets dished out. Yeah. Being better at your close combat tactics mm -hmm. is supposed to be more important in these medieval games than the ranged combat. Yeah, so I think maybe like mechanics that get put in for how you can team up on people really mm -hmm. matters too in close combat. And if there's no mechanic for that, it doesn't feel very realistic because you expect that if you have a three on one, you're kind of going to just destroy the one guy who's there unless they're like some super huge demon lord thing you just need one that though? you expect some sort of bonus to be happening there's often like just the intrinsic bonus in melee but like uh, with teaming up three on one right but you'll because win eventually technically 40k like fantasy ones these flank ones don't necessarily have double team bonuses right yeah. that's more when you're bringing it down to certain melee uh, games right mm -hmm. So I think the important portion of uh, close combat is when these people are hitting, how they outflank each other. Uh, yeah, basically, how if, if there are different types of combat, who is getting the jump on the other guy, right? Mm -hmm. uh, who's surrounding who, right? Those are the kind of things that end up becoming more important. Yeah, some way okay. of treating like having multiple opponents on one opponent. Yeah, there's like a, a bunch of different ways. I think you don't necessarily need to give them the intrinsic bonus of close combat, um, like literally just getting, let's say, a buff to your stat if you're two on one, right? Mm -hmm. um, how about uh, how the games interact, like? Why do you think, I, I, I don't know, I, I guess I feel like you need some range, and I, even when you're doing a belief focus game, you still need some range. Yeah, um, I, think it, I think it would matter to a big degree because otherwise you can, you might be able to see it playing out too chess-like, where basically once like your lines hit, you can sort of figure out what's going to happen three turns later, mm -hmm. just because there's no way to really vary where you're putting your attacks without having some sort of ranged. You can't sort of manipulate what's about to happen before it happens. Because so, you're basically yes, fighting whatever's in I, front of you. It feels like a lot making many decisions. Yeah, I do feel like you have certain games, depending on the mechanics, right? Where when it gets to close combat, it just it just becomes a scrum where it's just like once once these two forces hit in close combat. Once they're and it's locked just together, about who grinds. Just... Yeah, once everything's locked together, they just grind at each other until one, one wins out. And yeah. so you're right that that can be to help make it interesting, not just about, you know, when the two hits and, and like you said, like whoever hit harder at the beginning wins. Uh, yeah. To have another dynamic of exactly like we talked about the range thing in the range game, but like to a to a some extent where you can tip the scales in your favor before the two things hit by adding some ranged combat, right? In a lot of ways, exactly like, you know, how they did it historically, right? Like they would shower arrows on the opponent, right? 
to harass them, to make them not comfort, comfortable, to, uh, you know, to, in a lot of ways to weaken them, right? Before, even though, like, how forces actually broke was when the two lines came together, right? But then with the arrows, they were they made a big enough impact that you know you you would never not want to have archers, right? Right to, to kind of set things yeah. up. And I guess it makes the terrain matter more too. Like as the tactical depth where the terrain starts to matter, that if there's interaction with shooting in the terrain, mm-hmm. that now how you position your army in relation to the terrain. Yeah, I think it's interesting that um, how melee and ranged. Uh, are affected by terrain is significant and interesting. And the difference in, in the, the two of them is interesting because with range, it's about, you know, in general, it's, can you see the opponent to actually shoot them mm-hmm. or can they hide in the, the terrain so that you can't shoot them well? Whereas in general, the terrain, uh, in close combat, right? Once you actually in close combat, the terrain generally doesn't matter as much, but it blunts, who can get the jump on who because it's blocking how you can engage with the opponent. Might block, yeah. Yeah. And depending on the games, it can also pen you in. Like, like what I was going to say, one thing that makes, that can make Lee significantly more interesting is, which I think is almost in some ways needed for Lee games uh, is to be, is getting pushed, right. Or retreating. Yep. So it's not, I think some of the, in my opinion, weaker close combat games is if the two sides hit, then they just kind of grind at each other until one disappears, right? Mm-hmm. But once you start adding the ability to retreat, then uh, where you are, like if you have a space to retreat, that starts end- ending up mattering more, right? Uh, so hitting someone where when your back is against a river, right? If we're talking about large large blocks of infantry, right? If they get stuck, uh, let's say, in a pass or in, in a river and then they get hit from behind or they get stuck into an area where they can't move anywhere, the ability for them to, like, that affect how good or how much damage, let's say, they take is an interesting mechanic, right? It's more than just, like you said, chess, where you just move, I take that piece because you, you moved into a spot where I can attack and then you take my piece there, right? It's, it's not only can I hit you, it's can I hit you in a spot where it can really, it really hurts you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because the games can treat that like who wins combat in lots of ways. Like some games, nothing happens at the end of combat. You just stay there. As you said, you just keep rolling it out until one thing's gone. But I mean, it was the other way. You can deal with it through push mechanics where you like push yeah. the other people back, which might cause effects. You can maybe, like there's some games where you, everybody breaks away at the end no matter what. Uh-huh. So that it opens both players up to like move somewhere new at the end. Yeah, more there's movement, ways more where flanking. you can retreat if you want to retreat. Like there's mm-hmm. lots of ways they can they can adjust it. But, I mean, it's just more rules in the game, but like it really sets the tone for how the game is meant to be played. Whether you're meant to like push your opponent out of zones, possibly for mission objectives, uh-huh. or what, like how it interacts with the goals of the game. Yeah, I, th- I what I think we mentioned this game quite a bit. Um, I guess it, well, it happens in Frostgrave pushing, but what, what a game where it really, really matters that I found like pushing really ends up being really cool is Arena Rex. It's a skirmish yes. game with six guys on six guys or I guess 
four to six guys on each side. Um, and uh, it's, it's in the instead Roman as gladiators, yeah. And the idea, they're all melee. All like the, there's very little range, right? And the range is really short, I believe. It's like whips and stuff. So no one is shooting a guy with an arrow in a gladiatorial match, right? Mm-hmm. So it's all combat, but it keep they, the game keeps things interesting because you're constantly trying to push and maneuver your opponent into uh, traps that are set up in the area or lines or just getting stuck against the wall. If you push them against the wall, they take extra damage and these kind of things kind of make the game really interesting, even though it doesn't have the range combat. Yeah, and if you get to move, you might flip around so that now they're the closest one to the monster, they're closest to the wall, and you can start pushing yeah, to the so wall. Yeah, so the movement really matters, yeah. and It's entirely time. based around, like, movement. The, uh-huh. the attack portion is very simple, and as you said, it lacks shooting altogether, yeah. but it makes up, like, the depth of the game comes from all the, the follow-up mechanics that it has of what happens after the combat. Yeah. So how is, what is the interest, then, of ranged combat? I guess it's just being able to tweak what happens when, like, say, if Arena Rex is, as you said, it's a six on six. So it's a very, yeah, it's rather, yeah. you don't have these big forces just like clashing head to head. In other games, we have larger, bulkier armies on the table. Huh? You can't maneuver quite as easily. Like, you can't shift one thing if it's on your right flank to your left flank so quickly. Because in Arena Rex, huh? your left flank and right flank could just be like six inches apart. Mm-hmm. Whereas in like a major war game, you've got units of like 20 guys. Your unit on the right's not going to shift to like the left side of the board in one. So, move. so if a if a flank is collapsed, you can't just move a guy to cover that flank so easily. And yes. so, so when you have flanked a guy in those types of games, uh, and you collapse their flank, that could be a game winning maneuver. And that's mm-hmm. the kind of interesting thing is like being able to foresee the fact that this flank is in danger and a turn ahead move a guy that will eventually cover that flank. Yep. Maybe you defend the flank by using your shooting. You realize that you're too weak over there. And maybe you rearrange all your archers uh-huh. to sort of slow them down over there. Well, it could be melee as well, right? That to me is, is, is applicable to all types of movement, right? And oftentimes, yeah. But one thing, I don't know, to me, maneuvering terrain with combat like they're intrinsically related right blocking the ability to get charged and things like that Um, whereas in ranged combat it's about not even being able to shoot the guy right because technique or being it or shooting a guy right being able to get a bead on a guy that didn't think that you were able to get a bead on him right yeah this is a part of the interesting things and cover right so being able to the way that we think about shooting is obviously when you're out in the open, you're a much easier target than if you're like crouching against the wall. Right. So I feel like in range, there's still maneuvering, but it's like your threat uh, extent, like the area, the range that you can extend it is generally like super far. Right. So it changes the entire dynamic of how you treat terrain. Right. Yeah. Right. If you're, and like if you can maneuver in, in range, if, if you're talking about range combat, right? If you can maneuver to a place where the guy thought he was dug in and he had good terrain, he was hard to assail, and you can get them outside of terrain, right, with a clear bead, then the generally in games, you can hit them much harder, right? Yeah. 
Unless you're playing something like Warhammer 40,000. <laughs> In which case, the guys never move on the table. That's what uh, I see. Well, yeah, well, technically, I, I told you, right, that the new terrain, because the actual, like, partial terrain rules are so non-existent, they just, now everyone has to play with giant pieces of terrain so they can get total cover. So that they can just, like, so it, the terrain actually matters, still matters, and still matters a lot, because basically, can you maneuver your guys so that you can't even be seen and get shot? Mm-hmm. Like, after you shoot yeah, the guy, so you change the guy. Yeah, but it does mean that they're dominated yeah, by buildings and stuff like that. Changes, yeah, yeah. So the rule set changes the terrain you need to play with. Yeah. Yep. That's, yeah, as we said, like, an Arena Rex game, the terrain is literally, like, tigers and giant scorpions. That, that's Whereas, part, yeah, that's something that I really now, like, yeah. Now the terrain becomes, like, has to be giant buildings for it to work properly in the game, so. Yeah. Um... All right, so what do you think about um, <laughs> chain swords versus bolters? For close combat? What? Or, oh, what's, what's more fun? Well, yeah. yeah. So I used to play Blood Angels, so I was very uh-huh. partial to the chain swords because when you attacked with your flying Blood Angels, you got a lot of attacks. This was back uh-huh. in the fifth edition with uh-huh. your chain swords. So I was always oh. partial to, to chain sorting people. Is it what was it the amount of firepower that you could do, or is it just the coolness of, of the idea of a sword that is also a chainsaw? The visceral nature versus shooting a guy with like lots and lots of shots? Yeah, I might have just gotten bored just stand in front of a bunch of people and just try and just like keep pressing <laughs> the fire down until you got them all. Then just jumping. Really? Down. Causing maximum damage is more entertaining. Just unloading from a tank or unloading from just flying uh-huh. in on jump packs, more entertaining. Yeah, I do feel like, I think they both have, have an interesting kind of idea, like the dynamic between how you're hitting them, like maneuvering around terrain, um, and the ability to, clo- to actually be able to close the distance and hit them. Mm-hmm. right is feels more in some ways it can be feel more rewarding and i guess maybe it's because we, you know we were playing infinity a lot you know the main combat is range combat right so if you're able yeah. to to close the distance and get someone in close combat and, and and beat them it feels a lot more rewarding it's like it's like hard mode almost it's like oh it's like you got bonus points because you were able to you know finish them up close and personal it's also, it's more dangerous infinity. Yeah, it's a more difficult puzzle to solve of how to get through the guns to stab the person. Mm-hmm. Although I feel like it's rightfully hard in infinity. Like, what I'm worried about, because infinity is coming with a new edition, is if they make close combat too good. Because I want close combat, like, I feel like the close combat guys should be a little bit more consistent. But I don't think it should actually be good, if you know what I mean. <laughs> like, yeah. the game should be a ranged combat, and you should feel like good when you get a guy in close combat and beat them. It should be, yeah, it should only be a very select number of units that can do it. Yeah, and so maybe 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 it is right. Otherwise, it but, ruins the setting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so like close like gunfighting should be the dominant thing, like we said, right? When you're talking about in the future, those kind of that kind of feeling is there. 
Okay. Do you, what do you think about, because um, we really haven't talked about this much. Um, do you think how impactful in the actual games that we play? Like we played a lot of, of, of games that are mostly ranged where just the default is ranged. But we have played a lot of games where, you know, you have, and you know, melee, we talked about Arena Rex where it's just all melee, that's the standard. How about games where there's something a little bit in between, like uh, Frostgrave, right? Yeah, or War Frostgrave. Machine. Yeah, Frostgrave and War Machine are definitely both in between. I felt War Machine, at least with the armies we were playing at that time, the close combat was the main part, but you could go for the assassination on the Warcaster mm -hmm. ranged pretty well, because there was only one model on board. And if yeah. you did the right combo, you could get them that way, which made it kind of interesting. But the bulk of the battle and wearing your opponent's army was done through hand-to-hand, -hand, which mm -hmm. is kind of an interesting compliment. Uh, in Frostgrave, with how we play, I guess we have a gentleman's agreement that we don't play with too much shooting because oh. the shooting seems you can always quite, yeah go on the shooting seems quite strong compared to hand to hand because with Frostgrave yeah. model you both roll your d twenty and yeah. then whoever's higher with all the modifiers wins. Yeah, and, I, yeah I think what it yeah super going and that like the modifier difference between being missed by an arrow and then hitting someone with an arrow is not a big difference in the modifiers. So you can often end up dishing out damage by shooting quite easily with low repercussions. Because when you fight Frostgrave with D20 on D20 in close combat, you have the opportunity to damage each other. It's like the face-to-face mm -hmm. -face roll system like Infinity. You both attack each other simultaneously if you can. But in this case, there's no risk. And the cost for the units that have shooting in Frostgrave seems too low for the being able to reach out and touch people for free. Mm. So they almost... I, I would kind of agree. Like, Okay, so there's two things. Like the normal shooting guys... I feel like they're a little bit good. Like you said, the ability to uh, hurt the risk. opponent with them not being able to hurt you is a huge benefit, right, in, in Frostgrave versus uh, in close combat where even if you have a plus, you have a chance. Like if you just roll badly, your guy, even though he's ostensibly going to win, he could just die, right? Whereas yeah. when you're shooting a guy, you have never had that chance, right? They're not shooting back. Even if they have a bow, they're not shooting back at you. When you try to shoot them, um, so I do agree that perhaps shooting should be reduced a couple points. Like, I wouldn't be averse to if, if all of the archers and all the guys with ranged combat, all of their ranged weapons were down. Negative modifiers points. as opposed to positive modifiers. Yeah, if like yep. an archer, if like the main archer had plus zero shoot, right? And it doesn't mm -hmm. have to be huge, right? Because of the way the dice system works with the armor. Uh, a couple of points is actually a significant change, right? Yeah. So, if so it, yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't feel like it fits the setting for how good the shooting is versus the, the close combat because you expect yeah, someone to like, attacks to do way more damage than the crossbowman. Yeah, and 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 just the ability to like the accuracy of hitting them, right? I, Maybe you know because a lot of ways the hit might be strong, but the ability to hit them especially with bows and things like that in, in that close quarters, right? It becomes a lot harder, right? They're, right? Um, and then especially, I think that's one way they balance is that if you have enough terrain range, they'll just close on you, right? And then once it's close combat, all the guys with, the, with shooting are not necessarily as good. Yeah, in theory, if there was enough terrain on the table, mm -hmm. the archers and ranged wouldn't have like a line on guys unless they were within a foot or so usually. But 
most people can't muster up that much terrain, unfortunately, which is what we were talking about at the beginning is mustering up more terrain. Yeah, exactly. Having enough terrain to play them. Um, so yeah, I guess. And, and if, in Frostgrave, if you had done that and you'd kept the spells as powerful and ranged, it makes the spellcasters even more interesting and powerful with their ranged weapons because they're the ones that can really reach out and hurt you for range, right? Because mm-hmm. their shooting is like as good or better, right? Than yeah. your melee. Whereas the archers, even if even if the archer was like plus one or plus zero, I would plus one, I would still take them. Plus zero, oh, yeah. now it's like question you start questioning, right? Mm-hmm. And so I feel like so maybe that means plus one is right. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, so I don't know how that ties in with like I guess the game should make some sort of suggestion around what train you meant to play with if like the whole they, objective they actually of the game is do. Teamwork. Mm-hmm. but they don't show a picture. That's the problem. So they have a text mm-hmm. in the book yep. about what you should put. But when you, when you talk about text, first of all, it's in the beginning, so people often just skip it. <laughs> They're like, oh, get to the rules, right? Yeah. Uh, but when you actually have a picture, you're saying, this is what a table should look like. It's a lot easier for people to say, okay, so this makes sense. And maybe you have one or two or three possible different setups, right, configurations for tables. And instead, what ends up happening often is, like you said, because it's so hard to muster that much terrain, right? Even though Frostgrave is on a three-by-three table, uh, you know, you need a lot of terrain for that. So we kind of, just by playing it a lot, we figured out, in my opinion, what is the right amount of terrain. And it's a lot. <laughs> and it's just a matter of owning it, though. So, yes. Yeah, exactly. That's probably, that's probably a topic for another day of how much terrain is worth owning. <laughs> or you would want to own, maybe. There's different yeah. levels. I, I think it's basically you should be constantly making terrain. You never have enough terrain. But exactly. Yeah. That's the conclusion for another day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, I guess we. What? How about? Um, if we were gonna make a game, like a skirmish game, uh, where, yeah. where would it fall? Oh yeah, if we were going to make oh. a, a a game that, uh, let's say, is either multiplayer or also has campaigns and also has a single player thing. I guess right now, since we're doing quarantine, let's concentrate on if we we're making a single player kind of game. How would we kind of think about? Um, the melee and the shooting. First of all, let's say it's a fantasy game. Mm-hmm. Just because there's lots of nice fantasy miniatures out there. And mm-hmm. we already play too much Infinity, so we need to switch in models. Yeah. And we've already enough. mentioned that we're working on this game. Oh, that too. <laughs> yeah. So go, so go on. So like we're making this fantasy game. Mm-hmm. How are we, how did we think about shooting and range? Uh, sorry, shooting and range. Shooting, range, and also close combat. Are those three different things or two different things? Yeah, those are two different different things. things. Yeah, Yeah. there are two. So I think we wanted to go to have the game have a more visceral feel, more brawling feel, Uh and to be trying to fight over like objectives on the board. Uh So the goal would be more up close and personal, which would mean that like you'd have to downweight the shooting quite a bit. Mm -hmm. Not make it impossible to do, but for just winning the objectives would be more based around being up close and personal and pushing someone off of a thing, right? Like you were talking about before. Yeah. And possibly giving more bonuses for if you get multiple people in combat, if you surround people to have like the tactical play, which gets you advantages 
based around what happens in the melee combat and say like having guys with bonuses for being multiple combatants, being able to buff other people yeah. in combat, just yeah. like having the abilities focused around the combat as opposed to abilities focused around shooting. Like as like in some games, there's like, oh, you can make guys shoot twice in the uh-huh. rule sets, but we may not do things like that. Or you can like empower their shooting through doing uh-huh. whatever. And like in War Machine, where you can debuff people that shoot them and kill them. Don't go that route. So you can shoot a guy off a tape. Well, yeah, like well here's the thing that shoot. we actually have in, in our game that we, we did set up that's unlike other kind of fantasy games, I feel like, is that every single unit by default has a range weapon. Yeah, which almost makes it more like um, not quite modern, but like pre-modern, where people have like a revolver, or they have uh-huh. their bow and they're not very good with it. Uh-huh. I guess the, when we did set up the game, we didn't actually we, we thought like simple skirmish game, and we didn't actually even tie in fully the melee versus like a what do you call it? Fantasy versus, or sorry, medieval versus science fiction kind of setting, right? No, at first it was settings agnostic, like assuming that if you show up in modern day, everybody would have like some club and a pistol. Uh Like assuming like generic. Oh, oh, you mean like modern day would be like a knife, right? Everyone would have a knife and a pistol and be shooting running around. Yeah, like a bat, some rusty nails, whatever. <laughs> post, slightly post-apocalyptic, yeah. And so, um, now that we're thinking about like the fact that we're we kind of set on the setting, right? Because we're like, oh, you know what? I think we should should add a setting to it. It's a little bit more uh, medieval in its kind of setting, but the fact that it has ranged has that affected your idea of what kind of setting and what kind of world it's set in and how the people interact? Like, I guess this is something that like, you know, we talked about these things. I had a kind of feeling that I I wanted to set to the game. Um, I just wondering how it kind of lined up uh, with your thoughts. So I think we haven't played it enough to tell. But I think that if we make the part of the game, well, yeah, I was thinking the fantasy setting more from the beginning just because there's so many fantasy miniatures out there that if we're going to uh-huh. get people to do it, it's so easy for people to go out and buy D&D minis, yeah. like Warhammer minis, fantasy uh-huh. minis, all sorts. It's all out there. That's uh-huh. basically what's in people's mindset from seeing like movies and all that. And like the push for people wanting to play a modern game isn't so big. Like, gangster combat whatever it's not that's not something that's it's, it's a little so it's bit been, more niche yeah yeah exactly so that was what i had in my mindset but i think that if we focus the rules of the game around the close combat that people would be more inclined to basically because every how we've designed it is that to get an ability you often have to lose an ability or you're basically mm. you're basically foregoing something to get yeah. an ability that and we have we have very few like abilities that buff ranged and many more abilities that buff combat that mm-hmm. uh, you may just want to be tossing your com- close combat ability altogether to get into close or your shooting ability altogether to get into close mm-hmm. combat faster and yeah. uh, if you just ditch that shooting ability and beef up in combat that's where you want to be fighting anyway so mm-hmm. once you play the game more you might realize that you want to be taking away the shooting from more of your units 
Mm-hmm. That's we'll interesting. Just see how that plays out. It, it, but yeah. it all depends on how the balance is created yeah. around whether Malia is just stronger ability uh-huh. or ability than yeah. shooting something. And what what you want to do in that way? So I I know like when we're 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 thinking about it uh, initially, um, so so the way we set it up is shooting is definitely harder to hit. So we we do the exact same thing that Frostgrave has, right? You're shooting, you can't hurt the guy. Oh yeah, you don't, you don't shoot each other simultaneously. No. Yeah, um, but you but, do fight each other in close combat simultaneously. Yeah. So so. Um, my thought is, uh, is shooting right now too strong? Should there be a larger difference right now in shooting? Like right now, our difference in stat is we use D6s. So it's 18%, right? Plus any cover that you can get, which you don't get cover in close combat. Now the question is, do we want to make the difference in shooting 30, 30, 30, whatever, like two less, in which case it's 30. I think that comes back to our discussion we had earlier around like games directing people how the train should be done. Mm-hmm. Because as you said, like Frostgrave gives you a brief written description, but in fact, he often gives you more diagrams. Warhammer 40k, they'll try and sell you terrain. But I think if we're more direct about how the train should be placed, that mm-hmm. if there will often be intervening terrain, which makes it even more difficult to shoot somebody and that doesn't affect mm-hmm. the close combat, that yeah. you basically, like, maybe you're expecting that 60% of the time you'll be able to advance towards an opponent shooting you through cover. Uh-huh. Then you're looking at more than the 18% advantage. You're looking at your, yeah. like, 35% advantage most of the time. Uh-huh. About how you're hitting them. Yeah, exactly. So it comes down to the terrain being a major part of it, too. And, like, if we base it on a smaller board, it's not quite as hard. As all those other games that might play on like three by three or right up to six by four of having to fill the whole thing. If it's played on a smaller board, it's gonna be much easier for people to put down the the ideal amount of terrain. And the other thing to think about is also is it so the way that I I, I guess this comes down to the fluff and the, the feeling is how important is it if we're talking about even though you know we talked about this kind of idea of range versus melee versus th- your time period how important is it to actually make melee that much stronger or is it should range maybe it's okay to make range significantly better you may have a different setting you have a different kind of feeling like um are the i I do feel like melee should be you know where you're mixing things up right um but the fantasy setting that's what you that's what you're that's how you want it to feel is it to feel uh, like not close and personal game yeah, so I guess with this talk, I actually I'm, I'm thinking about possible things we could change in, in the game. Right, we set the, the rules; it's very simple. Things like if you get to jump on someone, how important is that to be able to get some sort of bonus, some edge in the lee? Is so, that actually significantly? Oh, should there be an automatic charge bonus? Something like yes. that. Yes. Is should mm-hmm. there be a charge bonus so that if you get a jump on a guy, you get a bonus uh, or and again we, we're trying to keep it as simple as possible right yeah and then the, right and, and the other thing is perhaps you should make shooting just weaker right just less likely to damage a guy in shooting in which case if you've got to end a guy you got to get up close right and take those risks yeah. and hit them 
Or is it fine that uh, the way that we play the game is that ranged, you know, hitting a guy in ranged and, and overpowering them with ranged combat is, you know, softening them up and weakening them and getting that, that stuff done. Is, is that fine to have that work, right? Because it, another thing that, I, I don't know if we mentioned this, with ranged is that the distance of how far, like it's, it's about like how far you can hit them, right? Yeah. So right now in our game, the, the range for ranged combat is not super far, right? Like a guy can move 12 inches in a turn if he's running. And the range is only 12 inches. So technically, like if you're in range to hit them, the average guy... Well, they can shoot and then move back. So If they the started is, in range in, within 12. If they started in range, yes. Exactly. If they didn't so they start within range, they have to move in and then shoot. And if they stay there, then that means that the and average guy should can run... Yes, is in, this is not to attack them, but to tie them up in close combat. Mm -hmm. So that is a kind of... Thing where it limits the ability for range to dominate against uh, uh, close combat because, again, it's all about it's the threats, really, right? It's not all that ranged, yeah, if it's not super. Yeah, and then when you think about it, the way I thought about it, right, there's two ways like to think about it is it's pistols, right? Because that's, that's one of the things when we were initially thinking about it. It's like, oh, they're just fighting with pistols in close combat kind of thing, up close. Mm -hmm. um, and, or... The other thing is like with, you know, knives, like throwing knives, throwing weapons and things like that. When, if we're talking about in a fantasy setting or, or previous setting, right. Yeah. Or, or they're fighting with like, you know, throwing spears and things like that. Right. Where the, yeah. the distance to actually hit them is significantly closer. And in terms of interesting mechanics, I do think, you know, I guess there's a lot of games where people have ranged weapons and their ranged weapons are super close. But when you say like everyone can have a, a, a short range weapon and it's these weapons that make kind of sense, like everyone runs around with throwing axes, everyone runs around with throwing knives. Then throwing it becomes, axes or whatever they like. Yeah, yeah. It's almost like the theme is kind of interesting that it, they play together, right? Mm -hmm. As opposed to the average thing. Like one thing that really annoyed me in the Game of Thrones game, I think I mentioned this before, is literally range is 12 inches. So, okay, and those are bowmen. So, like long bowmen have a range of twelve inches. Oh, and their and their base is six inches across. Yeah, exactly. And they're they're twenty eight millimeters, so it's like six inches across, and they have a range of twelve inches. This is so abstracted as to not actually represent what they're actually representing. Like it's yeah. it's like chess pieces. Now you're thinking about them, right? Like these are not these are not. The actual, like the guys that you see on the table are not the guys that are on the table. They are a chess piece. They're just a beautiful chess piece, mm -hmm. right? Which is fine if you think about them as beautiful chess pieces, right? But it breaks the versimil versimilitude, right? Of the fact that you're actually, this is, the, this is the miniatures of them fighting on the tabletop. Whereas if you're saying, if everyone was just armed with uh, throwing spears, then it makes more sense that they only have 12 inch range, right? Yeah, and if, and if you allow people to have further range, if they take a real longbow. Yeah, then they, they, may, they may be to have unlimited range or like significantly longer range, right? Mm -hmm. So I feel like that, just by that thing, like even if you add in, maybe in like, especially if it's a fantasy setting, right? If in this fantasy setting, just like, I don't know, everyone loves 
uh, throwing spears. So everyone just carries around throwing spears everywhere, right? Or whatever, throwing weapons, right? That's the main thing that everyone runs around with. Then everyone has some ability to hunt small games. So like, all right. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Yeah, exactly. That is a kind of an interesting, I don't know. That's the way that I've been thinking about it. When I Mm -hmm. think about our game as a fantasy thing. And also when I like think about how the characters look, right. That to kind of sell that. And of course the the idea of fantasy setting is that anyone can use anything. But when when I were to think about like the ideal person in our game, because there's some range, everyone has some range and, Although Malie, you know, that's where you, where things end. Uh, everyone is running around basically with spears, throwing spears, right? No one is running around, like, it's not that everyone has bows and arrows, although they're yeah. obviously, yeah. And we won't have the game go for 50 turns, so there's no need to explain how you have 50 throwing spears. If the game is, like, <laughs> yes, less, exactly. than, less than 10 turns, you're like, okay, there's no... Yeah, you have six spears your, or four spears. How do, you, how do you have 30 rockets in your little knapsack? <laughs> Yes, exactly. Like that. <laughs> yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. But you have some guys in certain games, there's like, oh, that makes sense. Oh, no, but Infinity, one of the problems with Infinity is when you see the rocket guy with the missile launcher, it might make sense in a normal fantasy game to have six rockets, right? Because the game might be six turns, so you're shooting six times. That's all the missile launcher missiles you have. Mm-hmm. Infinity has an arrow and an order system, which means that missile launcher can literally shoot 20, rock, not 20 rockets. Generally, okay. they don't, but they often will shoot more than five in a game. Yep. Even though have, on, like, their, three on their belt. Yes, exactly. Where do the other mm-hmm. ones come? Actually, each of those things on their belt breaks into two. Yeah, <laughs> you put half a thing in. Yeah. So, all right. Um, so anything else you, you, you're thinking about with our game in terms of range? I guess there's the whole, we talked about the break mechanic, like what happens at the end of combat. Uh Uh-huh. Like the guys just break apart. Do you do more damage when you win the combat? Do they have like initiative or leadership or whatever they have to check for? Like if you're trying to keep the complexity Uh down, you probably don't want like more dice rolls to check for more things at the very end. Uh-huh. Uh, I think movement should matter a lot. Like, I think if you want to do missions that are more based on controlling areas, you want some uh-huh. sort of push mechanic. Uh-huh. But I don't know. That's, I don't know. I just enjoy the push mechanic more. And if you're playing a skirmish game, mm-hmm. push mechanic can work. If you're playing games with like too many guys on the board, push mechanics get really weird because you've got too much stuff to move, so they just don't work on that scale. Yeah. I, think, I think it depends on... Yeah, basically it is number of of guys right because it can be it it gives you a lot but if there's too many guys it kind of gets lost in the shuffle like if you're playing war machine where you have 30 guys and each guy moves individually pushing becomes a little bit weird right yeah but uh if you have a skirmish game like Frostgrave, where each guy each side has 10 guys then pushing matters uh arena rex like we mentioned six our game we have like around seven or eight and each guy can push right um, and mm-hmm. also in uh, mass combat games, actually, even though you might have a hundred models on the table, that's why rank and flank games kind of work like that, and, and they're somewhat good. Is because a rank and flank game oftentimes, even if you have thirty guys, it's actually one base when you're moving it around. Oh yeah. If yeah. You, 
yeah, so if you're if so you can actually interact in a push kind of way because you know you're there's only ten objects on the board. There might be only ten objects. Exactly, they're a lot bigger, but yeah, they're only actually ten things that move around. So you can actually push them and make sense how to do that. Mm -hmm. So yeah, yeah, I think that yeah, the question is interesting to think about. Yeah, yeah, the question is how like the team up mechanics would work, or if they take damage by being pushed into obstacles, or how you want sort of the to be a bonus for winning in certain ways yeah there's a lot of different different ways to go about doing that and and i think it's always you know you can always layer complexity upon complexity right like different mm -hmm. things give different benefits um and in some ways that can be cool but in some ways it's just like that's not the goal yeah it yeah that's matter. not the goal and that's not necessarily doesn't even really matter. Like it matters only because you made it matter. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. But when you're talking about the overall grand strategy, does this do, it's not just, does it matter is does this do what you want your game to do? Right? Yeah. Like if your game, it doesn't matter just because like what kind of weapon they're holding because you want to those create things some to matter ability. or is it just because yeah, exactly. You just want some new cool ability is it just, or does it actually, lend itself to the themes or the mechanics or the ways, the win conditions that you want people to have. So I think at the very least, we want the feeling that if you've teamed up on something, mm -hmm. that you have some sort of bonus for it. Like how you achieve that by whether you get like, whether it's the Frostgrave method, if you have multiple guys in combat, you just you get, get added bonus to your dice roll, which adds to your damage, uh -huh. or maybe like the push mechanic of arena rex where if you successfully push them in a certain way they take more damage yeah, push them into an ally like it, they take like damage. it shouldn't matter like how you win should matter just yeah. so the tactics of how you like arrange your attack matters yeah. instead of how we talked about before yeah arena rex you don't get arena wet rex it's the pushing that allows the benefit of a yeah it uh, causes a trigger yeah it's it triggers trigger. them to like you take another damage basically you get pushed into an enemy i yep. think you, do you get a stress we haven't played Arena Rex in a while. We've got to play that. No, I don't. I don't push that hard for it. Oh wait, I forgot. Know. I forgot. We're in quarantine. Only you can't play anything. <laughs> yeah, that too. Actually, did uh, did you see the thing that uh, uh, Spud was doing for Infinity? Oh, the two to one scale with the camera. Yeah, we, we talked about this last time. Yeah, we did. We didn't talk about the two to one scale. I think he he has the terrain for this. He's just being lazy and setting up small boards. Well, yeah, here's no excuse. Board is just, board. Yeah, you're right. You don't actually no have excuse. to make it two to one, but it's just easier. The, the, the biggest issue is like, if, if you remember when we were trying to film things before, to get a good camera on a area that is like four by four for infinity, your camera has to be on your ceiling. Yeah, and, and you need to have like the boards to set up a, to set up a four for wide table, so. Yeah, exactly. Not everybody so, keeps like, four by four boards in their house. Yes, and I think the biggest thing is the camera, like because you need it top down so that people see it correctly, right? Yeah. So you can't. I guess some people can, but like I can't put a camera on my. Actually, that is going to make it hard to try out. Anyways, it's just an interesting kind of thing to, to mm -hmm. that, yeah, that I thought about. How to play miniatures games over the camera, but I don't really want to do that, so. <laughs> All right, and working on terrain. Exactly. And playing single player games. That too. All right. Well, maybe at some point we'll show people the, the beginner 
single player missions once we get all the rules ironed out. Yep. Uh, yeah, so this is, if you have any ideas or thoughts about ranged combat, melee combat, do you, which one do you prefer? Which one do you think is more interesting? Do you think it makes sense to have how much, how much ranged combat can you put into a fantasy uh, medieval setting without it feeling weird? You tell us. Come, come to our, uh, you know, find us on Facebook and give us a shout. Tell us what you think. Yep. Well, thanks for listening and thanks for your thoughts. Yep, this is Ian Allen. Yeah, it's been Brandon. All right, one more thing. So if you enjoyed that podcast and want to listen to more, you can find them over at DiceOverEverything.com or uh, on your favorite podcast app. And if you want to leave a comment, message, or ideas for like more podcasts from yeah, us. Or just get in touch with us. At Facebook and look for Dice Over Everything there. All right. Bye. <laughs>